I was there firsthand. I witnessed hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of Rohingya people crossing from the Myanmar border into Bangladesh, fleeing for their lives. That's Tanya Rashid, a special correspondent with PBS NewsHour. I'm Kenny Smith, and this is the best story I've heard today. You can't catch all of the great content being produced, so our guests are here to help. They tell us about the best story they've found, and we're excited to welcome Tanya to the program. And today, Tanya, you are going to tell us about a series you're working on right now. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Tell us a bit about these very important stories you've been working on and why they're important and how we can check up on them as well. So I have been covering the Rohingya crisis, which is the worst humanitarian crisis um, occurring, according to a lot of human rights groups, um, including the UN. I'm doing a trilogy for NewsHour on uh, human trafficking, child marriage, and the controversial repatriation deal happening, um, where the Myanmar government wants to bring the Rohingyas back to Rakhine State, where they would live under basically in open-air prison camps under very precarious conditions there. And an informal way of just telling you what I'm doing is I have a passion for telling stories about human rights issues. I think human suffering is a universal thing, and I've seen human suffering from you know, stories I did on the undercover sugar baby and sugar daddy industry, where I did a story for Vice News, and I interviewed these sugar babies who were sexually abused by men. And I also did, um, you know, stories in Texas on hate groups. And um, I saw the pain and suffering of the Muslim minority community that suffers in America. And now I'm doing a story for NewsHour on the plight of the Rohingya people who are suffering genocidal acts by Myanmar military forces. So that's kind of my thing, you know, just looking into how, looking into the human condition and how people cope with suffering. For a little bit of context, for those that aren't aware about the genocide going on, it, it's hard to say something so vast. Yeah. Uh, to treat it with the respect it deserves, but give us a thumbnail of the context here. Myanmar is a Buddhist-majority country, and over there, there are a group of people called the Rohingyas. They are the Muslim minority group that have been living there. Basically, there have been conflict going on for decades between the Rohingyas and the main uh, Myanmar Buddhist authorities. Late last year, a group of Buddhist vigilante groups and Myanmar forces attacked and raided hundreds of thousands of Rohingya villages. They raped their women, threw their babies into pits of fire. And I was there firsthand. I witnessed hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of Rohingya people crossing from the Myanmar border into Bangladesh, fleeing for their lives. Some of them trekked through the jungle for 15 days with no food or water, and they came to Bangladesh to seek refuge. And now there are over 700,000 of them living in sprawling camps scattered throughout Bangladesh. Talk about this from the journalist's perspective. Something of that scale, how are how is your access going? How are you able to do the things that you have done, and how are you facing difficulties as well? That is such a great question. I think as a woman of color, as someone of Bangladeshi ethnicity, I have uh, a very unique access to these kinds of stories because, for one, I can somewhat understand the Rohingya language. And oftentimes I get mistaken for being Rohingya when I'm dressed in local garb and wandering through the camps. So the kinds of stories and unique voices I get are just 
it, it's different. It's not like I, I can sense that I'm getting a more nuanced perspective from the stories that people are telling me. Are you facing any pushback from any, any governmental authorities on covering something that is not the most picturesque kind of story? I do get a lot of pushback from actually some of the Rohingya activists. I've been getting a lot of hate messages from them um, because I'm not really telling happy stories or, you know, I did a story on child marriage and it pissed them off. They're saying that I'm demonizing and dehumanizing the Rohingya women when in fact I'm just speaking the truth about something that's happening a lot and it's unfortunate that it's happening and I'm trying to expose the truth on it. But it, it does make other people angry. There are some Rohingyas who don't like it at all. You and I have been talking a little bit about some of these stories, but tell our audience now about some of the personalities and some of the, the anecdotes that you're encountering when you're compiling your copy and, and getting ready to produce your packages. There's a girl, a 13-year-old girl, who wants to go to school but can't because there are no schools where she is, and she's staying in a refugee camp, which is hot, made of bamboo and plastic sheets. She doesn't have enough food to eat, so her mom's marrying her off early because she just can't take care of She just doesn't have another mouth to feed. To marry a child off is a solution to an economic problem in the home. Yeah, to curtail the issue of poverty because they're so impoverished they can't afford to have another daughter, so they marry her off. So that's the story. And then you see... Oh, gosh, so many sad stories. <laughs> it's endless, yeah. If, if I'm to take just that one story away from this conversation, is that an outlier or is that something that is happening frequently? It's, it's rampant in the Rohingya camps, child marriage. I heard of marriages happening two, three times every week. Child marriage is something that's quite common there, actually. Give us a sense of the scale and scope of what the camp or camps, in terms of the humanity, how many people that we're looking at here? With the new arrival, 700,000 people. That's like Rohingya City. And then if you combine that with other people who fled from years before the mass exodus, I would say there's about 1.2 million Rohingyas living in the Bangladeshi camps. Now, if you compare that to how many local Bangladeshis are there, there are only 150,000 local Bangladeshis and 1.2 million Rohingyas. So the Rohingyas are kind of like they've taken over the area. And to say nothing about the Bangladeshi circumstance, nowhere is set up to support something like that in terms of a mass sudden influx, right? Exactly. There's never, in, I, I think in history, there's never been a record of such a high number of people, influx of people coming in, in over such a short period of time. So, I mean, aid distribution and international aid groups, that, 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 come, that trickled down eventually, but it took time. I mean, no one expected it to be this bad. And no obvious solution on the horizon when you're dealing with scale and scope like that, I imagine. No, it's really complicated. I think my stories are a bit messy with no end in sight, really. What helps at this point? There's international aid coming in now, and it, it, it started slow. It's, it's coming in now. But yeah. what that seems like it might be a, at best a Band-Aid right. on the circumstance. What helps? Well, I don't know. There's hundreds of thousands of young kids and women, and they have nothing to do. When I'm walking through the camps, what do I see? I just see people sitting there smoking a cigarette or making food. They don't even have basic necessities. They're not going to school. They don't have a job. 
So my question is, yeah, there's all these aid aid groups coming in to help them, but what is their future going to be like? Okay, and I don't want you to scoop yourself here, but if I'm your assignment editor and I send you back, what aspects of these stories would you like to cover next? That's a really good question. Monsoon's coming up. Rain's going to be really bad. And it's projected by um, UNHCR that hundreds of thousands of camps, homes, will be destroyed. And, you know, over there, the gutter, there's open gutter with feces and diseases. Next to the gutters is where they're eating. So imagine that being drowned in water with rainwater. What's going to happen? People are disease infestation. It's going to be a mess. Nothing about a refugee camp suggests hygiene is is a paramount priority there. It, it just There's so much to do. Yeah. That's always a, a problem and a concern is hygiene and things like that. In a sentence or so, tell us, you've just wrapped up now a trilogy of these stories. Tell us a, a, just a tiny bit about each story so that we might tease our audience here. I did one story on the repatriation deal um, where the Myanmar government wants to send the Rohingyas back or plans to send the Rohingyas back to Rakhine State. I did another story on child marriage where young young girls as young as 13 years old are being forced into marriage because it's one less mouth to feed. And I also did a story on human trafficking where Rohingya girls are trafficked out of the camps into the main city centers where they do sex work with tourists that include Bangladeshi locals and Western people. An incredible series of stories, and we've got links to those stories, uh, which you can find at pbsnewshour.org. You can uh, find links to those stories below the audio player and links for uh, Tanya Rashid as well. Tanya, who is a special correspondent for PBS NewsHour, thank you so much once again for joining us today. Thank you. This is the best story I've heard today. Thanks for listening. We hope you found a new story, or a trilogy of stories in this case, (laughs) to check out. And we look forward to sharing stories with you again very soon. I'm Kenny Smith.